Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Where sports is the base, life and fun are the results. This is The Brian Snow Show. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of the Brian Snow Show. Let me not waste any more time and bring on my guest. And he has an amazing story to tell as well, Mr. Jason Pike. And he joins me right now. Jason, how are you, buddy? Salute to you. Hey, thank you very much, Brian. Uh, I'm really honored to be on your show. Hey, I'm I'm honored to have you. There's so much to, there's so much to talk about. Yep. Your story began at age seven with an acute learning disability. How did you come through? How did you come through that? First of all, how was it discovered? And second, how did you how'd you come through that? Well, my first grade teacher in Norcross, Georgia, where I was going to school at, uh, right north of Atlanta, Georgia, uh, she said uh, to my she wrote a she told my parents said this guy can't read well. He can't he can't write well. And I eventually failed the first grade and they referred me to the Emory uh, Reading University in Atlanta, Georgia to diagnose what the problem was. And I, they, they just had a, it was a form they said I had something called dyslexia, but it, it's really not dyslexia. I was just mm-hmm. a slow learner as I look into it a little bit. And uh, yeah, and I, I deal with it today. I, 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 I get around it. I, I compensate for it. Right. Yeah. Uh, was it was it tough finding that out? Well, yeah, I think it was probably tougher for my parents because just like a lot of parents, they really want education and they in their in their children. And they knew that this was probably going to uh, they didn't have much expectations. They, they didn't put a label on me. Uh, at the time, as a kid, I'm just thinking my friends, uh, my friends are going to the second grade and I got to go back to the first grade because there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that was all for me. And I, I just knew that I was considered different, uh, maybe in a bad way uh, that I didn't, you know, I did. I just said, well, I must be different. I must not be able to get these things. Which if you follow any sports teams, whom do you follow? Oh, I like the Chiefs. I like the Kansas ah. City Chiefs. Magic Mahomes, he—he's my man. I like him. Yeah, he's a great guy. Magic Mahomes, I'm can't argue. They just won the super. They just won the Super Bowl over the Philadelphia Eagles. They oh, beat yeah. my 49ers recently, Super Bowl 54 down in down in Miami. And what turns you on? The, what turns you on to the Chiefs? Just just the magic. Uh, I mean, he, you know, uh, Mahomes. He came out of Texas and he's been playing sports. He used to play bas- uh, baseball, mm-hmm. and uh, I think his dad helped him out. And uh, he's also just seems to be just a well-rounded character uh, overall. And uh, so I was attracted, and he just magical stuff that just come. You never seen it before. Just things that he does out on the field. And I just enjoy watching him. Yeah. 
Your story is one of survival, perseverance, and a refusal to quit. And I share the same thing. Where did you draw your inspiration? Or where do you draw your inspirations? It came, I didn't know it at the time. It came from my father. My father was a never quit guy. Um, You can screw up. uh, You can fail. And you can get into trouble doing it. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you just do one. You don't do one thing. You just never quit anything. Never so quit. So you played sports, or you, if you if you want like little league sports, you, you do not quit that. If you start it, you don't quit it. You stay. If you if the if the coach doesn't want to play you, you hey, that's his. You know, it's his. The coach is the coach, and mm-hmm. you you might sit on that damn bench, you know, all season long. But you know, you're never gonna. You're not gonna quit. Now that's that's came from my father, really. You know. How did you manage to cope with stress, trauma, and adversity during all of your years in the military? And how do you cope with it now? So uh, failure and pain were introduced to me early in life. Uh, We just talked about failing the first grade. And then, of course, just um, pain. I had a disease on my left knee, which was osteomyelitis. So it was a bone disease. And so that just came with the territory. And then my father just said, you never quit. And so you had a combination of these things. So as I went through all these various fiascos and other events in the military, I had a good background on just pain and failure and that it was just part of life. Uh, and that probably set me up better than most folks. Uh, just having that background and, and with my father. Yeah. Jason Pike joining us here on the Brian Snow Show this afternoon. And a welcome to those of you listening via WQEE in Atlanta. We're sharing all kinds of stories. We're sharing all kinds of facts and fun about uh, about survival and, and perseverance. And if there's one thing my dad drove me with, it's 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 perseverance. How important was the role of your father in your life? He was really important. He 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 just had all. And I, I wrote this book dedicated to him because he just had so many stories that he handed down about perseverance. About he came from white trash, uh, a third class of white people. I mean, we're talking about barefoot, uh, stealing food, hungry type of. You know that right. everybody in the you know everybody in the South was poor in those days, but there was another level of white poor that he was from. Yeah. And uh, he he would tell us about it, and uh, he would and he would say, "Hey, you can you can uh, you know." He, he he taught us how to steal watermelons. He says, "There's nothing wrong with stealing watermelons." He says, well, "If you got to eat, you got to eat, but you never quit. You got to find a way to fight." But so he was that's a wonderful fa- he was a wonderful father. But um, uh, yeah, that's where I, I I dedicate it to him. I got uh, and then the, I you know sometimes you don't know things until after people are gone. And it takes a while for things to sink in. And yeah. so I guess death has a way of talking to the other people. You know, once you, when someone dies, you got, you start thinking, Oh man, what did he, what did he teach? What did he teach me? Stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. So true. I lost my dad in 2007 to uh, prostate cancer. And that aside of losing my daughter was the toughest loss of my life because my dad was my biggest critic and he was also my biggest cheerleader and he was also my hero. And we talked about perseverance. And the one thing that dad always taught me to do was to have fun with with life, because 
I say this often during my morning show, and I often say it here, and I and my friends who grew up with me in Chicago also know, my dad was a goofball around the house. I mean, if he senses some tension in the house, he'll do something absolutely out of the blue that would just have all of us laughing. <laughs> and his sense of humor got to my mom's sense of humor, which fed to myself and Nicole, my sister, and the whole house would just be in tears laughing. And then soon we'd forget, okay, we would just forget, okay, what were we so, what were we so amped up about? <laughs> how big of a, how, how big of it, how big of an importance did sense of humor play, you know, with, with you and, and your parents? So <laughs> we grew up in the one house, but there were two sides of the house that didn't know what was going on. So you had me, you had me, my brother, and my dad. We were off doing crazy stuff. And then you had my mother and my sister. They didn't know what we were doing. And you, you always had like my father always said, "You don't say anything to mom or to the sister. You, if you want to continue to have fun and steal watermelons and shoot bottle rockets at cars, and he taught, yeah, uh, you, you and do all kind of things and learn how to drive on these dirt roads." You just don't say anything. All right. If you want to have fun, you, you have fun, but you don't say anything. We're going to go out and we'll do some things. But yeah, right. yeah, right. He, taught, yeah he, he, he was I, I, he taught me how to shoot bottle rockets at cars when I was nine years old. And he says, this is what's fun is. And you can do this and that. And uh, so we just uh, he, he, he says, just don't say. And so there was different. So when we got older and we and we tried to tell our my sister and mother what we used to do, they would like. Wow, I didn't know anything. I don't know anything. I, I don't know anything. And so, but it it was true. Uh, and then so, but now, now, well, they're past. But now I've got a, I've got a lot of stories. And so, uh, but now it, he he's yeah. He said it's, it's okay to have fun. Just don't ever quit anything. And uh, yeah, that's it. Talk to me about your book, A Soldier Against All Odds. What was the biggest imp- inspiration in you writing that book? Oh gosh, this. This book had been nagging at me for a long time. I mean, just getting out of college. As you right. Just, so I went, uh, it, 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 everybody was asking me, how did a dumbass like you do that? In other words, how do I? And so they asked me the same question. How did, how did you do that? Now, what did mm-hmm. you do? Now, how did you get out of that trouble and all this? And, I, and so everybody, and that triggered, I said, okay, well, my dad, after my dad died, I said, well, he was a great storyteller. And these things kept, and he want, he asked the same, Jake, he called me Jake. My, my nickname was Jake. He says, Jake, right. how did you do this? How did you surprise me? And uh, I said, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And so <laughs> I don't know. I <laughs> and so I started to slowly to put this thing, it took three or four years to put this thing together. And I eventually, uh, it was, it was the passion of all these people just asking me the same question. How did you, how, how did someone like you be able to graduate, do this, do that? And so I started at the age of 17 and I went through the, I went 31 years. So I went into a senior executive level of the military. So I had to pass a lot of gates along the way. Um, and, and every time I got a rank, uh, another, you know, notch on the belt, another school, everybody's like, wow, wow, cool, cool. And I was surprising everybody. And I thought, wow, I think maybe this might be a story. How many people have you? I know this is a crazy question because this is one I get asked often. How many people have you surprised or continue or, or continue to surprise? Because and, and the reason I pose this question is because I get I got laughed at often 
growing up because instead of playing sports, I would announce them. And I had to figure it took me till sophomore year in high school to figure out, hey, I can't play any sports. I can try, but I can't play any sports. So I'll figure I'll do the next best thing and and announce them, which led me to such heroes as uh, Jim Durham, who was the TV voice of the Dallas Mavericks for the longest time, but was the radio voice of the Bulls forever. The uh, Ben Scully and Jack Buck for baseball. And that was when it started hitting me. I said, wait a minute, this is something I can do. So what was, what, what turned the light, what turned the light on for you to have you think, okay, I can make a career out of being in the military. What was that one moment that turned, that turned the light on for you? It was 1983 and I was 17 years old. I went to basic training, like a boot camp for army. And, uh, and it, and, and I almost got kicked out. And before they before they were about to kick me out, they put me in some sort of a scared straight program. It's mm-hmm. called the criminal correctional facility, not because I did anything criminal, but because I just couldn't get my stuff together. I couldn't. Right. Uh, so so that when I went into that facility and it was only four hours of a scared straight that then they put a different level of hell on me. than. <laughs> so, so, uh, <laughs> and so we put the they put the lowest two people that was me and another guy the other guy broke and got out and i just stayed in and i, I, I they it, a lot of bad things happened there i put it that way uh, mm-hmm. uh big rocks into small rocks we climbed around on obstacle courses or we just tore our legs and arms were all bloodied and yeah so that and all that it was just a rapid fire crazy event and i came back uh uh, just broken up and uh that kind of strengthened me i guess that was the event and i said if i can get that if i can if i can survive this i can definitely sit in an air-conditioned library for 12 hours a day you know eating pizza when i want to eat pizza and right you know so yeah that's kind (laughs) of life and fun are the results this is the Brian Snow Show. It's great Tuesday, and it's a great Tuesday of cel- it's a great day of celebration for me as well as my guest Jason Pike. We're just sharing all kinds of stories here, especially when it involves our dads. And I got to sh- I have to share this one. My favorite quarterback of all time is Joe Montana. So one year, my dad got me a Joe Montana autographed football and for Christmas. And I'm thinking, what are we going to do with this football? Yeah, we went down in the basement. We're tossing it around all over the place. <laughs> While my sister got my sister got roller skates, she and I got our first game system, which is the Atari 5200. I know I'm dating myself here, but dad and I were playing football in the basement. Like, how? People would think, well, how? Well, we couldn't tackle each other. Dad would be the quarterback one round, and I'd be the quarterback the next round. So that's a lot of fun. Give me a couple of moments like that with with your dad. I know you expressed one earlier where you were taught to shoot model rockets. (laughs) Give me a couple more like that, man. Those are fun. (laughs) Well, yeah. When When I came back from basic training in 1983, he detected a little bit of a bad 
badass at me, I guess. He, you know, I, I come back, I was skint head in the eighties. You don't have skint heads, but they skinned right. their heads. And, uh, right. I was still in high school and, uh, he, he, he detected a change in me as we talked about the, and, uh, he said, well, he started pushing me around and, uh, then he pinned me on the floor. He was starting a fight with me and he, and then he pinned me on the floor. And then I, I, I pinned him back on his back. And then, uh, we played around like that. And then I picked him up and I body slammed him. And when I body slammed my dad, he goes, Oh no, no more, no more. And I think, Oh God, I must have hurt dad. And uh, that was the last time he ever messed with me anymore. But he was, he, he, he was testing me. You know, he, would just, he wanted to, to test me and just to maybe even build my self-confidence up, up a little bit more than it was, because I'm sure I have to think that he was, acting if he was acting he, he might have been acting i i, I don't yeah. know i wish i could ask him were you really acting or did, were you did i really beat your butt you know so but uh i don't i don't know that <laughs> so, yeah how rewarding was it to start your military career at the age of 17 and retiring at the rank of lieutenant colonel after being told by so many people that none of it was possible yeah yeah so that was it was yeah i mean the, the military was an option for folks at that time that maybe cannot get into college. There was just the SAT. The S, I'm sure I have lower uh, SAT scores than most of your viewers out there. I, I can just pre pretty much trust me on that one. And so, <laughs> so the, uh, there was no doubt I was not, I was not college prep prepared or bound or anything. I, it, it, it made, I, I, once I started, I said, well, I'm going to go, I'm just going to go against their advice. And, and, and then I did. And then I had to go to, everything was at the bottom, not mm -hmm. only in rank, but in education, I had to go to a junior college and then transfer in. So, wow. I made like the first, the, I was so scared walking into the junior college because I was going into a place that I wasn't supposed to be. And I walked in there and I, I got good grade. I took a low amount of courses and mm -hmm. I got good grades on that first semester. And I, wow, I mean, I was, I was braver jumping out. I've jumped out of a perfectly good airplane and that's no problem to me, but walking into a college was, that was something I was not supposed to do. And I, once I it build up more and more that, you know, you have many little small successes that just build on each other. And it was wonderful to, 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 to yeah, I guess to, I surprised myself and I surprised them too. So it was, it was a wonderful, it was a wonderful feeling. Was that your scariest moment walking into a college or a, or a junior college, or is that one thereof? That's just one of them as a young man walking into the college, just because that was a place that people told me that I'm not supposed to be. And, and I'm, and I, yeah, I mean, it was all, it was told, I mean, it was well known. And, but uh, so that was one of the most fearful ones is, is that um, I've had a lot of uh, scary uh, adventures, but, but then, uh, the, and then I, then I achieved, uh, I got the grades and then I transferred into Clemson university. Uh, I did, and I was ashamed of that. I had to go to the junior college. I was, but I, I, that was just a way, that's another way of uh, getting into a good university is just go to a small community college. But, um, but no, I've had a lot of other scary events, I guess, uh, jumping out of the airplane of a, uh, well, there, there's just so many, uh, doing a night jump. I had to jump out of an airplane at night and I was the first one out the door. And that was pretty scary. Just jumping and leaping into faith that everything's going to be fine. And it's just dark, dark out there, especially when you're the first one out. So, but there's been a lot of scary events. 
The first time I ever got on a plane was 1996, and I was at Chicago State University, and we had to go to Washington, D.C. for a college newspaper conference because I was the sports editor at uh, the newspaper Tempo. And I'm thinking, how the hell am I going to get to Washington, D.C.? And then my boss pulled me aside and said, plane ticket. And internally, everything inside of me lit up going, can I take another route? But then I said, no, I got to travel with the crew. I got to see what happens. So I got the plane ticket. I got the spending money. I got the um, list of the itinerary. There it is. The itinerary of everything that's going to go on. Met the crew at the at the university. We rode to O'Hare Airport. And my brain's thinking, I'm getting on a plane. What the hell am I doing getting on a plane? And then I remind I would remind myself throughout the flight, okay, this is why I'm I'm on the plane. I'm I'm gonna learn some things about you know being a sports editor. I still was scared out of my mind get, getting on a plane, even though I was told it's only a 90-minute flight. I said, yeah, that's 90 minutes. I'm not going to get back. I slept the whole time. They gave me food, and I was zonked out till we till we landed. And I don't know why it scared me getting on. I don't know why it scared me, but it did. And since then, I've always tried, for the most part, uh, big trips, I've always traveled by plane. But talk about a scary experience. Fly, flying to Washington, D.C., a 90-minute flight. And I'm sitting there shaking like a leaf going, how am I going to get through this? <laughs> and I'm walking into the conference, and I'm thinking, okay, now what? I'm here. I made the flight. What else do I have to do? And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to be in the background. No one's going to call on me. Yeah, my boss took care of that. And said, this is our sports editor, Brian Snow. And I'm going, wait, that's me. What are you doing? Room for the people. And I have to speak to them. And I'm going, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> so it, it's like you said, it's one of those kind, it's one of those kind of moments where you walk in and you go, what? <laughs> You just walk in and you go, what in the what in the world is that? What gave you, what what did you have in mind when you started writing your book? What was one of the first things you wanted to accomplish? Well, the first thing I had to do is get a, get a writer to get this thing to help me out. Anybody, even if I knew how to write and I don't, most people have to get a, uh, a ghostwriter, somebody yeah. to help them out to orchestrate yeah. the story. So I had to find that. I had, and uh, not when I failed the first grade, it was English <laughs> reading and writing or my, but I'm considered an author. Uh, you go figure that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, the hardest, the hardest thing about it was the vulnerability. Uh, I'm going to have to tell you my dark secrets because mm-hmm. people identify with failure and pain and just, bad things that happened. And, uh, and I'm going to have to tell this out, uh, not only put it in a book, but also do a podcast and get this stuff, you know, out there to identify, 
to get the story out. That's to get the story out. And uh, because I had too many, so many stories that, uh, and so that, that was the, one of the hard, matter of fact, my book really did nearly kill me. I've got it in the testimony. Uh, it, I, it caused so much anxiety and, uh, and I was sitting at a computer all stressing out, having flashbacks of all these things. And, yeah. I, and so I, could, I could, I could see it down on a sheet of paper. It, it was, it was in black and white. And so yeah. I'm stressing here, looking at this stuff, thinking, can I really do this and stress, stress? And, uh, what happened was blood clots formed in my lungs and my legs. And, uh, I was sent to the ICU, intensive care unit at Stone Oak Methodist Hospital in San Antonio, Texas, February 2021. And they said, pretty much you're going to pass away. And we talked about the obituary and we were, we knew where the cemetery was at. And uh, DNR, do not resuscitate, was talked about. Uh, and then, uh, I, but but what happened was... Um, and that that was really a good prediction. I was supposed to die according to the experts, but my my body reacted re really well to the heparin blood thinners and to antibiotics because I did get pneumonia as well. I had I had both of them. I mean, just alone, if you have blood clots, they they said they were throughout my body. They were in lungs and legs. And yeah. uh, so I well, I, I, and it was because of the the book really I, at the time I didn't know it. They thought I was a smoker. And I said, I never smoke. Right. And they said, well, well, what is it? I said, well, I don't know what it is. And I says, my mom used to, but no, but what it was is eventually it was sitting down too long and also stressing. I used to, I like to exercise a lot and I usually, but I, when I started this book, I just sat and I just like almost eight hours a day, just right. like trying to, and that's what did it. And uh, but no, that was and then the the vulnerability. And I say, am I really going to get this thing out there to show people all these crazy stuff uh, that I did and how I survived, how I persisted? And that's that's hard. It's hard to open up your life and show it. You know, very hard. I too battled blood clots in both my lungs. Uh, June of two thousand twenty-one, I took a fall. And were it not for my beautiful daughter, Sonia, leaping to the rescue, as well as my wife, Jody, again, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be here. And, you know, Ryan McCarthy, who joined joins us here, said it said it best. He joins us from New York. Uh, C.S. Lewis said failures, repeated failures are finger posts on the road to achievement. One fails forward towards success. And that is so very true. Now, do you have a podcast right now? Who, me? Yes. I do not have a podcast. Uh, I'm just joining a lot of other people on podcasts. Well, whenever you do, um, whenever you do decide to uh, get one of your own, I'd love to produce it. <laughs> Wonderful. I, I appreciate that. Thank you, I, Ryan. I'd love to produce it. Have you ever been to a game at Clemson, a football game in Death Valley? So I was so busy, like I said, I was so busy in the library and trying to do the academics that I did not go to I did not go to the Tiger game. But I was one of the guys that was hawking the tickets for twice the amount that I got them from. Nice. <laughs> so I'd, I'd, I'd stay outside the stadium and you know I'd double the price, especially when you had uh, Clemson and Carolina when they came. Yeah. Oh, if, oh my God, those were rivalries and everybody. Yep. Yeah. Oh, so, no, I was trying to make money from the games pretty much because I was trying to find ways to make money in college and get myself through college. Yeah. 
Oh, man. This has been a delightful, delightful conversation with Jason Pike. Uh, stories of survival, stories of perseverance. Where can where can people get your book, my friend? Amazon. Uh, Amazon. And uh, it, it's a soldier, a soldier against all odds. And uh, I've got a website, jasonpike.org, and get it there. Or you just a soldier against all odds. Just Google it in the browser. You can get it on some various other websites. It's out there. And uh, I, I also did the auto audio. I mean, I'm a narrator and the author. So you're, nice. getting, <laughs> you're getting it from the horse's mouth as well. Not only in writing. So, I love it. So that's where, oh, my, when I went through the audio, I've never, I talked more in my entire life in two, last year, 2022, than my entire life. I talked the most because it was take 50, take 100. I was just screwing it up. I did not. I, I a year ago today, you would not see me talking like I'm talking now because right. I had I have practiced on this so much. Uh, I got burned out too much. I got burned out on it too. But I had to come back though. I came back and I got it done. So uh, you got the audio. It's on Audible, and uh, so it's a very very true story. There's uh, talking about failures. I can tell you one big failure that's kind of funny if you have some time. Go ahead. Go for it. Okay. Well, we all have that term of uh, being neck deep, uh, neck mm-hmm. deep, uh, or being up the chick creek. We, we've yes. heard of that term. That means that you're yes. that's in, you're in a bad you're in a bad place when you're in poop, right? So, well, I have literally almost drowned in it, and it was in South Korea. I was walking along at night, and I was by myself. We were doing an exercise in the military in the army. It's like we had a compass and a map, and one of the competencies is to show that you know how to find points on a map by yourself with a compass and a map and walking around through the woods and things. South Korea at that time had these uh, rice paddies that were lined with feces or night soil or just we call it poop or shit. And, yes. it was, and you could smell it. We knew it was there, but it was at night. And it's slippery. And uh, I slipped into it and I went neck deep in it. And I really did think that I was going to drown in it. Um, I, uh, my, the equipment was pulling me down and I was going under. And uh, I was thinking, you know, I can't, I can't die like this. Uh, I mean, the headlines are going to be pooping pipe dies and, the, you know, the DMZ at the demilitarized zone. And, yeah, you know, I never had a family, never had a daughter, never had a wife. Uh, I says I'm too young for this. And uh, so what I did was, as I did a small, it's like quicksand material. I just did a small catalo- uh, caterpillar type of movement, and I got myself on top. And then I eventually low crawled out very slowly. Now, when I got out of the poop, I was a mob of it. It was a mob. It was it was soaked through. Uh, it was smelling. Uh, it was almost like a your gag reflex. It was just so. It was, so what I did was I laid on my back. I looked up at the stars and I said, "God, why does this shit happen to me? Why does he, Why does he put me in these places like this?" And um, because I'm alone at night and I'm a mob. And so what I did at that time, I started rolling around like a dog would do to get the bulk of the material off of me. Right. And once I did that, I, I had another problem. Um, I started thinking. 
now everybody's going to know this and i don't want to be known as pooping pike if, if, if people find out because see we were as a group where everybody's going out finding their points on a map doing mm-hmm. the same exercise as me i'm just the only one that happened to fall into it and right. so uh, so i said well i've got to find a plan now to uh, save my face to save my embarrassment mm-hmm. so what i did i saw a light out in the darkness and we're not supposed to shine lights i don't think we even have i saw a light and it was a light of a farmer's house but korean a korean family Uh, so i started walking toward that light at that time i didn't know if i was walking toward heaven or hell i was just walking on faith i did i said i just need help i don't know what i'm going to do at this house so i you know so i knocked on the door and i spoke a little bit of broken korean and they came to the they came to the door and uh, they said, "Ooh, ooh, ooh! Look you!" They started. We did a lot of hand motioning. Uh, lang- uh, English language was not really necessary at this point because mm-hmm. we were in a an emergency situation. She motioned me to butt uh, to get butt naked and give her all mm-hmm. the clothes on the front porch, and I did. I handed everything except my weapon and a map and a compass to a strange woman, and she motioned that she was going to clean it up and find me the next morning. And uh, so I walked about a mile or so back through the woods to my camp naked, barefoot naked. And she was that the plan was she would and she did. And the next morning I got to camp or cleaned up and she came in and gave me all my clean uh, equipment uh, and um, like my fairy, like a fairy godmother or something. And that that so that that's the story of almost drowning and poop. And uh, I avoided. Well, I got two things went right that night. One is I got out of it and I lived. And so, and then the second is I saved my face. And uh, mm-hmm. only one other person knew about it, but he didn't say anything because he thought my recovery was pretty cool. So he was going to keep keep it a secret. So, but uh, now everybody funny. knows. Now everybody knows. I love that. I I love that story. <laughs> I I love that story. Jason Pike joining me here on the Brian Snow Show this afternoon, sharing stories of perseverance, perseverance, laughing at the same time. If y'all go to jasonpike.org, that is where you can get his book or you can uh, get his book on Amazon. And my friend, I loved having you on. I'd love to have you back on again. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be here. Very proud to be here. Thank you very much, Brian.